thank you for coming this morning, and I do pray that our time together this morning would be indeed a blessing to you as it has been for me as I look into the Word of God and was challenged afresh after 43 years ago, this very passage challenged my life. As a matter of fact, I was arrested by the Holy Spirit because of my ignorance. I had just had uh, dinner with a pastor and his family, and he tried to talk to me about where I was as far as trusting Jesus Christ, and I was ignorant enough to say to him that I didn't trust pastors. I didn't believe in them because they were a bunch of hypocrites after eating his food. (laughs) And as I said, it was the ignorance. But he took me back home, well, to the hotel that I was living at, and uh, he gave me a book to read by Nikki Cruz, Run, Baby, Run. And uh, I was very discouraged when I started to read the book, so I threw it aside, and just then I noticed a Gideon Bible that was placed there one week before, and I challenged God, and I said, if there is a God, I want you to convict me of my sins. I went and I turned the light off. The switch was by the door. I got up out of the bed. I turned the switch off. I picked up the Bible. I turned it upside down and all around so I wouldn't know which, which was the front or the back. And I said, now, if you're really God, convict me of my sin. I opened the Bible. I went back to the door and came back to where the Bible was beside the bed And these words seem to jump out at me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. I was totally convicted because less than 45 minutes before, I looked at a man that I didn't really know. I heard of him, and he invited me to dinner, and I told him that, you know, they were all hypocrites. Jesus, of course, tells us, first of all, to examine our own motives and conduct instead of judging others. The traits that bother us as individuals often is the very habits that we dislike in our own selves. Our untamed bad habits And behaviors, behavior patterns, are the very ones that we most want to change in someone else. 
The opposite is true in Matthew chapter 7 verse 6. We will come to that a little later. But may I say to you, there must be an element of judgment to determine who are pigs and who are dogs. How can one distinguish between the genuine and the false? How can one meet and greet other children of God and be able to distinguish between the real and the false. This requires a supernatural ability and power. The only recourse that we have as children of God is prayer. What do you think these two verses is actually saying to you? Well, may I say to you, to judge can mean to declare or to distinguish. It can mean to condemn or even to damn. These verses does not mean that a child of God is forbidden to judge others, but it does mean that we who are not that, or should I say, what it does mean is that we are not to judge the inner motive of the others in the sense of condemning them. We do not know or understand why a brother or a sister might act in a certain way. Because we only see the outward appearance. God does not forbid us to judge wrongdoing and evil conduct. That's not what God is saying here. The point is that if you are harsh in your judgment of others, and you will undoubtedly find out that the position that you take, you are going to be put in that same position. The hidden motives of the heart are shut out to us and is only revealed to God himself. It's not for us. When we attempt to judge the secret springs of the human heart, 
we are usurping the authority of the throne of God or to put it even simpler we are playing God what does the Bible say about this Romans chapter 14 verse 4 says, and I quote, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. If we are critical and harsh, we will be judged as such a person. If we look for the bad, the ugly, and the evil, we will be known as that type of person. James 4.12 says, and I quote, There is only one law giver, one judge, one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? James 5.9 says, Don't grumble against your brother, or or don't you um, grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. God is a, a righteous judge. And again in Romans chapter 2, verse 1, it says, You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who passes judgment do the same thing or things I don't know about you but the Holy Spirit rarely cut me to pieces that night because all I saw and could hear was what I said about 45 minutes before I begin reading this chapter. What I'd like us to note here is, we see this played out in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was there giving approval 
to the death. That's the death of Stephen. This was when the church was being persecuted and scattered. In Acts chapter 7 verse 58 it says, And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Acts 7.59, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Acts 14.19, then some of the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, And won the crowd over. They stoned Paul. They dragged him outside the city. Thinking. He was dead. Acts 14.20. But after the disciples gathered around him. He got up. And went back into the city. The next day. He and Barnabas left for Derby. Judge not that he be not judged. Paul was a forgiven man at this point. But he tasted the very same treatment that he stood earlier and give consent for Stephen's death of stoning. Romans chapter 2 verse 2 and 3. Now we know that God's judgment against these who do such thing is based on truth. God has the right to judge. He knows that hidden things of the heart. We do not. Verse 3. So, when you a mere man passes judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Think about it. It takes one to know one. The pot calling the kettle black. Or, as the Spanish says, the donkey calling the pig long ears. All these proverbs echoes Paul's point. We often criticize in others, the very thing we ourselves says or does. 
verses 3 and 4 of Matthew 7. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. Doesn't that make sense? Here I was judging God's man, a preacher, who might have had a speck in his eyes, but I had a a four by four in my eyes. How could I see to take a speck out of his eyes? But he was God's man, or still is God's man, because he is still alive. His wife sang in our choir for some time before the Lord took her home. The plank, as I said, is like a four by four. And the sawdust is like a dot. This verse is not talking about a man with a big sin or a man with a little sin, as we may consider. Rather, the plank is, a, is the spirit of criticism. And judging, which is like a plank to compare with a speck of sawdust. You are criticizing in another person or someone else. Therefore, you are in no position to judge. The Lord says in verse 20 of Matthew 7, Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. We then can be fruit inspectors, but not judge. Verse 6 of Matthew 7. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Don't throw your pearls. 
to swines. It is futile to try to teach holy concepts to people who don't want to listen and will only tear what you say apart. You are not to give dogs what is sacred or throw your pearls to pigs. A matter of fact, there is a certain time and place that is not worthwhile saying a single word. This is a judgment you need to make. An example, our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is our example, as we read about him in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And a sheep before her sharer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Oh, that we would learn to be quiet at the right time. Oh, if I would learn to be quiet at the right time and say nothing. Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Verse 8. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus tells us to persist in Pursuing God. Persist in pursuing God. And all other things will be added to you. People often give up after a few half-hearted efforts and conclude God cannot be found over and over again. People have said to me when I tried to show them that they needed Christ if they were really going to overcome a situation that they might be in. But you know, they 
will tell me quite plain, your God doesn't work for me. And I would always come back with these words from Jeremiah 29, 13. You will find me when you search for me with all your heart. With all your heart. I don't know if there might be someone in here this morning that feels that, oh, God is not available. Or he isn't hearing you. I don't know about you, but I have... (laughs) It has been a very, very difficult time every day of my life as I rub shoulders with individuals who come to me for help, who appears only to want to take you for a ride. I have been asking I have been seeking, I have been knocking, asking God to give me discernment to be able to tell those individuals who really have a need and to help them to meet that need instead of someone who just wants to take me for a ride. It's, it has been difficult. In your prayer time, I I appreciate you praying specifically for that because what I am doing over there, it rarely takes discernment. As I said, I've been asking, I've been knocking, I've been seeking to be able to tell the difference between those who just want, want to rip me off and who have no real genuine need other than Jesus Christ. But I'm not sure how successful I am with that. How are you to know? To ask, seek, knock. Definitely is referred to in this verse. Isn't it interesting though that Peter in the early church knew that Ananias and his wife was lying without a shadow of doubt in so much that they dropped dead at his feet after Lying to the Holy Spirit. I can never tell when somebody is really lying. Some of them are so good, you, you believe them and you know it's wrong. And you still believe them. They present it in such a way, you, 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 you have problem disbelieving them. 
and deep down inside you know they're lying to you. As I said, I need the spirit of discernment. All I can say is that we need to make sure that what, whenever we come up against anything like that, we make it a matter of prayer. Matthew chapter 7 verse 9 through 11. Permit me to read, please. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, knows how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father or your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I believe sometimes when we pray, God knows that we are asking for serpent or snake. He doesn't give it to us. He doesn't give us what we ask for because he knows that it's not good. It's not good for us. Maybe we can't handle what we ask for. I still today thank God for something I've been asking him for, and I don't know if I was in any position to ask him because I wasn't born again, but I was asking God for something a long time ago, and I thank God after I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I praise him, and I am thanking him now that he didn't answer my prayer. Because if he did, I could see what my life would have been like. He didn't give it to me. But again, I wasn't even his child. But I was a son of a pastor. I knew what the word of God said. But that was one of the reasons I didn't trust pastors. Because of his life. Only as we go to God... In urgency and emergency, seeking, asking, knocking, will we learn how to dwell in the house alongside the road and be a friend to man. Every good and perfect gift comes from above coming down from the Father of heavenly light who does not change like shifting shadows, says James 1 verse 17. I am amazed that we who are evil knows there is nothing 
that our children need that we will not give them if we have the means. Nothing. I don't believe a parent in here whose child asked them for something that is worthwhile, they will withhold it. Not one. And I know of unsaved people take care of their families like they should. But when we ask God, and we don't get an immediate answer, we begin to ask God, why? Why, God? Why haven't you answered this this request? I'll be honest with you, this, this, this message really spoke to me because I've been praying for someone to come alongside of me and the church I've been praying for years now. And we interviewed, I don't know how many, but we knew that they weren't the ones. And sometimes... I feel discouraged. Lord, why why aren't you answering? But this has really helped me because I know that the judge of all the earth will do right and in the right time he is going to bring the man alongside of us that we need so that I can move off the scene. Maybe he isn't ready for me to move off the scene yet. I'm not sure. But it is and has been a challenge for me. And I want to remind you along with myself this morning. This is a holy God I'm talking about here. This God has everything at his fingertips if he wants to do it. If it's good enough for us. If it's best for us. If he wants us to have it. If it's not going to destroy us. Because there is nothing too hard for our God. James, two, James 4 verse 2 says, You want something, but you don't get it. You kill, you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel, you fight. You do not have it because you do not ask God. Verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with the wrong motive. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I try to search my own heart. Frederick, if you... We're able to go off and leave the center for several weeks in someone else's hand who you are comfortable with. How often you would be around here? I don't trust Frederick. And I don't know why you should. 
permit me to skip for the sake of time and look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, the two foundations. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down and the stream rose and the wind beat upon against that house, yet it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Christ is our rock today. We can build on Christ, the only foundation. The Bible has a lot to say about our rock, Jesus Christ. And I'd like to just pull out a few scriptures in this connection. Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 says, and I quote, I tell you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Matthew 21, 44. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. But he on whom this fall, it falls, will be crushed. 1 Peter 2, 7. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders reject has become the capstone. Are you resting on Christ, the only foundation? Are you building on this foundation? You can. You can come to him and rest on him all of your cares. All of your cares. No matter what they are. You can build upon him and have a life that produces fruit. Which is gold, silver, and precious stones in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 and 27 of Matthew 7. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Don't 
build on the old weaknesses of the flesh. May I say to you, you need something better than what you have to offer today. You definitely need Jesus Christ. And finally, verse 28. The reaction to what Christ said. Verse 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teacher, teachers of the law. Here we note the contrast between Christ and the teachers of the scribes of that day. He he taught as one who had authority. May I say to you, we have a gospel to give to mankind. We have a message of salvation through Jesus Christ to give to the lost sinners and to encourage one another as we gather together in this local assembly. All of us are building, whether you realize it or not. But the question is, on what are you building? Is it the rock, Christ Jesus? Or is it the cares of this world? Shall we pray? Our Father, I thank you for these moments that you have given me to share my heart. I thank you for your grace and your mercies. I thank you because I know we are a needy people. We are a selfish people. We are a weak people. But Lord, we also know that when we are weak, then, then you can show yourself strong. Get glory for yourself today. You promise us that your word will not return unto you word, but it will accomplish that unto what which you have sent it. So we commit ourselves to you afresh today. Be glorified, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.